We play and call it work. So we are live right now, but it's funny because as much as we're live right now, it doesn't. I find that the actual recording afterwards starts like ten to fifteen seconds after. So whenever yeah. I do like a proper intro, it always cuts it off, and so that's why I feel no problem discussing this with you beforehand before I go into the intro because it's all liveness. So, uh, all right. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWargamer.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to the Shrine of Chaos. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have Carl Tuttle of the Independent Characters Podcast. He is the largest, if uh, one of the largest, if not the largest podcaster uh, for 40K out there. I know uh, from what I know of you, Carl, uh, it's been, you're, you've always been, in my mind, uh, you're the largest podcaster. And it, that's actually interesting because I find that podcasters in general, and then wargaming podcasters on top of that, they don't really share their numbers too much. And so it's like, how does one even gauge that? How, how does one know? Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, um, it's a, a mystery. Feel. Yeah, it's a, it's a mystery. I mean, <clears throat> look, we've been around for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, we did take a short break uh, where I thought I was quitting. And apparently I was the only one that, you know, didn't realize I, I wasn't quitting. <laughs> like even my wife was like, oh yeah, you were going to, restart this at some point um but we have been around a long time uh we have you know I, it's probably some name recognition you know as you look around and you have you know google alerts and those things set up like you see how things relate to other things there are lots of popular podcasts out there that service lots of different approaches to the hobby and and approaches to the content that they're doing but ours seems to resonate with people that have a really um positive outlook for the uh for the um the hobby and for um you know for the game itself so i, I really our focus is around just trying the game in a bunch of different ways and, and enjoying yourself that's something i've noticed as well uh it's you you focus on the fun of the hobby it's uh I, i've never actually sure. i've never seen anything like uh negatively clickbaity uh ranting you know, nothing yeah. of that sort. It's always just uh, check this out. This is fun. Check out this lore thing. What? What? Are yeah. the, it's always no. it's always like that, which is I think in my mind, like in my opinion, it's really what it should be. And it does draw that group, right? So we have a super supportive group of listeners and people that are active in our Facebook group and our Patreon and all that stuff. But it's because, you know, we we put that. It's as goofy as it sounds like you put that energy out there and that's the energy you're going to get back. 100%. And back when we started the show, it was original, my original podcast partner, Jeff and myself, we started the show. Um, you know, th we wanted to avoid things like rants and, and all the negativity because it was just like, yeah, everybody else is doing that and we want to go our own direction here. So we're, we were not tournament players. And so <laughs> what can we really offer? You know, strategy coming from me is yeah about driving backwards right so uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm you know and and so we said well what what can we bring to the hobby like we knew we wanted to do this podcast and we thought we heard certain podcasts out there and we thought we can do something better than that something we want to listen to yeah um and and so we said you know well what can what can we do well how about we try to make people we have a large gaming group of friends that enjoy the hobby and the lore and everything about it mm -hmm. what if we try to make people feel like a part of that gaming group yeah. and that would be kind of our tag and it just kind of organically became our tagline right um, 
and and it's been fantastic it's been absolutely fantastic the 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 response we've received it's bigger the show is bigger than i ever anticipated i mean i was really naive when i looked back 10 years ago uh i was really really naive about it um i never really considered that there's an international audience like i kind of figured oh maybe the uk and the us but then when you start seeing south africa and you know eastern europe and all japan and all these places and you're like oh i didn't I didn't even think about it. And I work in the internet. I should have known, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, no, totally. 100%. Yeah. Where are you based out of? So we're based out of uh, the Bay Area of California, um, which led to another another point of we're not trying to do any breaking news or anything. Everybody on the East Coast in England gets all this information three hours at minimum before we do. So really our focus was just go against the grain there yeah. um so we're, we're out in the west coast uh we have a, a, a amazing um hobby community in this area it's it's incredibly robust there are a lot of players to the point where people find out we're in this area and they're like oh can i come join your group and we're like we got to be kind of selective about it because we just get so many inquiries about it um and so you know we we have a method of introducing people to the group out, outside the group and then and then kind of um ease them in if, if we think it's a good fit yeah yeah makes sense and we have a we have a mutual friend don't we uh, oh i think several but one in particular yeah mr johnson mr johnson yes uh yeah uh he'd be upset if we didn't mention his name <laughs> <laughs> he, he might be yeah we might be afterwards hey uh hey doug do you see the do you see the podcast interview yeah oh which one the one i wasn't mentioned in <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good impression of Doug, actually. Uh, yeah, um, Doug is uh, from Southern California. Um, well, not originally, but that's where he's based out of. And early on when I was doing the show, we were supported by KR Multicase at the time. Okay. And, and I kind of had an exclusivity agreement with them at that time. Um, this was early on when we were taking on advertisers. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, Doug had approached me and said, Hey, you know, I sell these cases and, and we, he and I actually have a mutual friend as well in the video game industry. Oh, cool. And, and, um, and I, I really want to, you know, advertise on your show. And I'm like, I, I can't, you know? And so for a couple of years, uh, Doug kind of constantly pursued me on that and gave me a hard time until, um, we finally separated, uh, from our exclusivity agreement and, uh, explained to our current advertiser well this is a very different product and it kind of serves a different need and he was like yeah i'm good with it and so um so we brought them on as an advertiser and now to be honest like they're just an advertiser because they're our friends we don't really charge them <laughs> you know <laughs> i really believe in their products i think um they're great guys doug and todd are some of my, you know two of my closest friends yeah and um, and i adore those guys and you know we did a um we had a huge fire out here a couple years ago yeah i heard um, about that yeah the, 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 um, and 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 it just burnt down uh, a town, Paradise, California, just burnt to the ground. Nice. And Doug and Todd donated just so much stuff to the efforts that we did to get those gamers back on their feet. It was incredibly generous for a small company. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. They're incredibly generous. I, I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and so, Table War. I mean, that's this. This uh, interview podcast is not is not sponsored by Table War, but we just happen to be talking about them. Yeah, and I was not trying to really just promote them. They're just really good friends, and they're good people, and it's a good company, and it's something like that I always support. So, yeah, yeah. You know. um, so, and you know, it's funny because he came here, he visited me, 
And uh, yeah. one of the studios that we have is actually, he helped design one of them. And it's a uh, Necromunda themed. And there's this, uh, we made this 3D printed hubcap. Yeah. Uh, kind of like cog bolt plate that we, uh, that we made. We put in it, we put on the wall. And he uh, graphically designed one of the uh, images that I had printed out on a huge canvas. It was 14 foot canvas. He's a graphic designer. Like, he's an artist, actually. Some yeah. of his paintings. Yeah, Incredible. he's very talented. I saw some of his paintings. In addition to what he does for the fat mats, I mean that's just kind yeah. of like his everyday stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, so he came up uh, when we opened the bunker a year ago, and uh, yeah. we, we did a campaign. Just he and I did a Blood Angels versus Orcs campaign. It was a lot of fun. I you watched it. You watched the campaign? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh sweet. I had to. Otherwise, I didn't watch the video. <laughs> I was supposed to come out there this year, but you know, COVID. That's right. Yeah. And that, I guess that's where I was, that's where I was going with this, right? Like, uh, I mean, it's as soon as the borders open, it's a uh, certainly an open invitation for you to come up and, and I'll do it. And you know what? I think it would only be, uh, appropriate that we do a narrative campaign. Of course. Uh, because well, first and foremost, that's, that's kind of what I like to do anyway. Same uh, here. And, uh, it, it's very fitting with you because, uh, you, I mean, you, you're, when I think of lore and I think of channels associated with lore, you're certainly uh, one of the channels that I think of uh, and kind of getting rich into like the the Backstory. world, the yeah. uni the universe, you know, when it comes to the 40K. So, um, and, and it's when I, you know, when I started this game, uh, clueless, I, I, I had no clue. I just I started with Marines, as most people do, and I was making my own chapter or what I thought I was doing and and um I remember a friend of mine saying, oh, well, you know, this Rogel Dorn is, is the Primarch of, you know, Imperial Fists. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> not a clue. And, and it, I, I think it was really the Black Library novels that kind of sucked me into that piece. And then the Forge World stuff, uh, once the Forge World stuff, like the, the Imperial Armor books they used to put out were just, that was, that was, it sealed the deal for me. So, so now I'm pretty deep into it. All right. So. Getting into that for a second, you're a chaos player, yeah. Uh, and uh, now that that's kind of broad. So what yeah. what kind of a chaos player are you? Primarily uh, Zinch, so Thousand Suns and Zinch Demons. Um, but I uh, my kind of long term ongoing project is really Black Legion. Okay, um, and that's quite frankly because of Aaron Dimsky Bowden's novels, uh, Talon of Horus and Black Legion, which. Um, are just I think two the, the best two novels ever put out by Black Library. And that's 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 not I'm not being you know pedantic there. Like I, I think that is um I think they're just incredible novels. I I very much related to them. Um but then again <clears throat> and I'm truth be told I'm you know all transparency I'm I'm friends with Aaron but I'm also friends with John French. <laughs> and okay. so he wrote all the Armin books and I'm like, okay, yeah, I really like Thousand Sons. And, you know, and occasionally if I drop one project and go to another, they're like, what, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but I, I, I love both those guys and, uh, uh, you know, so his writing really inspired me to, to do Black Legion. Yeah. Um, previously I had an Ultramarines army and a lot of people are like, well, the Ultramarines are kind of the poster boys of, of the Marines. And then you have black Legion, which are kind of the poster boys of, of the chaos forces. And I'm like, that that's okay by me. I don't have a problem with that. I think they're really cool. <laughs> you, know, so. you know, I couldn't agree more actually. 
about those two specific books. And I, because I, I, I read, or I didn't read them. I listened to them audiobooks. Yeah. Oh, fantastic too. So much better with uh, Jonathan Keeble, I think is his yeah. name. Uh, I think that's it, yeah. Fantastic job narrating and doing the voices. Uh, but I actually did it in reverse. I did Black Legion first. Then I listened to the Talon of Horus, which when, when I listened to Black Legion, I didn't even know the Talon of Horus was a thing, like was an audiobook oh, right. that I could listen to. Right. So, so when I went back, it's like, ah. Oh. Uh, oh, now this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, now that makes sense. So, oh, that's why he's there. And, uh, and he does such a great job of interlacing not only the character development, but like humor. And it's so funny. I mean, a lot of people read read those books and they're like, oh, this guy's amazing. Or this guy, this character is, is a total screw up. And he's like, that's the point. Like they are, you know, these are not people you want to emulate. Like these are villains, right? These are... Um, it's it's just so funny. There's a lot of really intricate detail to his writing, and I think Aaron would tell you he's probably one of the slowest writers in the Black Library uh, arsenal of of authors. And it's because he's so perfectionist with that piece of it. Um, it's the same thing with his painting models. You know, like he never finishes a whole thing because he just focuses on the perfection. Me, completion is perfection in itself so. <laughs> um but but yeah i mean but there's so much detail and they're so rich and and i love them yeah i'm like i'm like i was hooked I was hooked can't wait for the next one do you do you recall in i think it was <clears throat> i think it was the talon of horus uh when abaddon was meeting with there was a bunch of uh, uh for lack of a better uh title a bunch of chaos marines but it wasn't it was a, a an amalgamation of different characters uh-huh. and he they had he he showed them they're, they're all kind of subservient to him at that point yeah i think they were or is uh, this when first meeting them i don't want to do any spoilers but anyway go ahead yeah and this doesn't i guess this doesn't necessarily spoil the book because it happens like in the middle and it's just a small detail but the detail is that he he shows them respect yeah and even show them that he knew personal details about them because, you know, they remember things forever. Uh, and uh, because of that, because he showed this respect to them, they had this deep respect back for him. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I think that that scene in the book, I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about, but uh, if it sounds I think familiar. It's just prior to him actually showing him the talent, the actual talent itself. Uh, it could, it's in the... It could be. I don't. I don't recall exactly where it is. I just remember okay. that there was this group of guys, and he was showing them a lot of respect, and uh, they they in turn uh, respected him even more because of that. And I think that that scene really helped to humanize Abaddon yeah. for me because before you know just playing the game and like oh Abaddon he's you know he's this villain, you know he's just gonna he wants to kill everything Imperium and. You know, he's on his yeah, crusades yeah. and like, that's how he was to me. He was very black and white. Right. But through, by listening to these books, you really see that he cares very much for his, yeah. for yeah. his brothers. Right. So it's, yeah, but he'll use them, but right? he'll use them at the same he'll time. Use them. Um, I think the interesting thing <clears throat> and the thing that Aaron did well with that character is he goes from, you know, his father, Horace, uh, is tricked into chaos, right? Yeah. He has to, dad with the anathema dagger or whatever it's called and and he falls to chaos because he's fooled into falling for chaos abaddon is very aware Mm -hmm. of what chaos is 
he's and he's embracing it in on his terms yeah and going into it with his eyes wide open right i know exactly what this is and you know and so in a way that makes him way more dangerous than I, than Horace ever was. And a lot of people like to, you know, oh, fail Badon and oh, he failed 13 Crusades. And yeah, of course we're retconning that because I think that was, you know, some 80s, you know, uh, bit. Oh, well, he's been on 13 Crusades because 13 sounds like a bad number, right? And, <laughs> and you know, uh, and, and so what they've done is is kind of say, well, each of those Crusades were really to achieve a, specific objective and you know and so when people are like oh well he he still failed I'm like he split the galaxy in half <laughs> yeah he's done more than anybody else you know, as far as chaos is concerned yeah you know so what what does success look like to you you know well yeah storming the imperial palace in terra and you know whatever but yeah, we're getting there <laughs> we'll get there i think that's a pretty pretty big feather in his cap right yeah yeah, uh, but no, I, I, th- I those books, those two specifically, actually, because I've listened to a whole bunch since those, but the very first one was Black Legion that I listened to, and it just kind of, yeah. it got me on this listening spree of all these Black Library books, and and it got me into Word Bears because I listened to uh, the first Heretic. Yeah, another Aaron book, uh, fantastic novel, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and the and the thing I really enjoyed about the Horace Heresy novels, well, the the, the great ones are there was always some answer to something in the lore that you were like oh that's why x right um but it didn't one of the things these guys will probably tell you is we're not going to answer every question because that's actually not what you want you don't want every question answered that would be boring um it's fun to speculate on these things and argue with each other and you know and and talk about about this stuff so they'll never answer everything and in fact i think what they're trying to do is add more questions add more questions yeah you know yeah so that's what gav thorpe said to me uh when i interviewed him a, a few weeks back he's that exact thing he said yeah we're not i think gonna... that mantra and i and I, I mean it's great right because it's an endless supply of uh kind of this food this yeah for sure yeah. I mean, galaxy is big, <laughs> really, really big. Uh, and, and, you know, this is why when people are like, well, what's happening with, you know, this one particular character, I'm like, you realize that that's one guy in bajillions of, of people, like, um, even Abaddon, right. Who's so important, really not that important. <laughs> <laughs> He's really not, and and so it, it, it always amazed me. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad they've moved the story forward a little bit. Yeah. Um, but people are like, oh well, doesn't Ninth Edition move the story forward more? I'm like, it's not a story; it's a setting, and they haven't explored even the smallest part of it. It's it's so big, um, they're never going to finish the story. And if we were five minutes to midnight before, we're now like a minute to midnight. And so advancing the story further is going to probably put an end to it. So, you know, where do you go from there? What is, so what do you think would be, let's say they did end the story. What do you think it would be? Uh, the emperor gets reborn. He's a perpetual. It was, they just mentioned it in the white dwarf a few months ago. 
Okay. That he's a, he's a perpetual. So that means that that literally means if he is killed, if that article is correct, if he is killed, at some point he comes back. So yeah. it actually be probably to the benefit of mankind. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for mankind. But um, it it does actually answer the question: Is he alive on that throne or not? Because if he hasn't been reborn yet, then he must be still alive in some way, shape, or form on that throne, or kept in some state that prevents him from being reborn. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know, a, a lot of people joke about, oh well, then this will happen, and the Tyranids come and eat everything. I mean, I think eventually the Tyranids are going to devour everything. They're unstoppable, right? Yeah. I mean. So eventually, yeah, the Tyranids will win out. Unless the Necrons stop and they start turning off suns or something. (laughs) But these, the Tyranids come from another galaxy. I mean, think about that. Think about how big the galaxy is and the millions of stars within our galaxy. And they came from another galaxy they supposedly devoured already. So it's like, like, okay, you know, in the end, I think the Tyranids take it. Maybe that's just it, right? And that's the, the constant looming. And the uh, Tyranids don't care about chaos, you know? So they're like, nah, whatever. The Tyranids care not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's my. I know, but that's like. Is there anything that could actually defeat the Tyranids? I don't think we've seen it. I mean, everything delays them, right? Delays the Imperium, them, yeah. The Imperium at its might is like, oh, burn these worlds and steer them into these orcs. Yeah. So they fought these orcs and then they just get better because they fought a bunch of orcs. So it's like, okay. Right. You know, um, I mean, to me, they're actually the most horrifying of all the races, uh, you know, because there's no negotiation. There's no reasoning with them. As much as people make fun of the whole blood angels and Necrons, like bro fisting thing. I mean, that's actually, we talked about that in my last episode. It's actually a really interesting story um, where the Necrons and, blood angels are battling and and in this war for this planet and the tyranids show up and they're like if we don't work together to stop the tyranids nothing's going to be left of either of us you know and they they defeat the tyranids for a while but then kind of go their separate ways it's actually i'm not doing the story justice is actually pretty interesting i mean like when the when the blood angels approach the tyranids they they basically have like the equivalent of like nuclear warheads in their rhino (laughs) And they drive up and they're like, so we want to talk. And they're with all, all intention of just, if this goes south, we're going to set off these warheads and just wipe out everything here. And, uh, you know, they, they talk to the Necron overlord. I don't remember exactly who. And it comes out and it's wearing like the face mask of Sanguinius, which is like a super insult to the Blood Angels. And oh, man. But they work through this negotiation where they're like, all right, we're going to fight. You know, we're we're... But both of them are intending to betray the other at the drop of a hat, you know. Right. Uh, the battle just wipes them out so much that they kind of are like, it now would not be a good time for me to fight these people. So it's, it, I, I don't know. I think even at their height, they can't really stop the Tyranids in their tracks. So what's going to stop? Yeah. I don't think they're yet. You're right, though. It is terrifying. They're, what else? Like, like even, is, is it not true that they say if the orcs actually banded together? and organize themselves that they would be the strongest threat. I've heard that too. 
I think it's all speculation on everybody's part. But this is my point. They'll never answer any of these questions. No, no. Because then we can't have this conversation about it. <laughs> it's a highly entertaining conversation, right? I mean, could the orcs stop the Tyranids? I, I suppose if they were all to get together, maybe they could. But we also don't know what's out there for the Tyranids. But the orcs just continue to spawn and put their pollen everywhere and make more orcs. So, you know. Yeah, like they're endless too. And the more they fight, the stronger and bigger they get, right? That's the end where it's just an endless slaughter of orcs and tyranids. And, you know. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to chaos for a second. Sure. So, okay. So Black Legion. So collecting. Uh, you said you've, it was 10 years ago you started the podcast. Is that when yeah. you started Wargaming or were you into Wargaming before that? I was into Wargaming a little bit before that. Um, and I had kind of a start stop relationship with 40K. Um, for me, it was I'm huge into role playing games. I had always been. We had a regular game every Sunday. We played for seven, eight hours. But as guys got older and had kids and families and and whatnot, um, players would not be able to make it, and it would kind of screw up the consistency of the game. And so I was looking for something that I could play with one other person uh, on a regular basis. And uh, 40K had the uh, Battle from a Crag set out at the time. And I knew about 40K. It had always been kind of a pricey <clears throat> uh, game um, from my perspective as a, as a, as a younger guy with uh, limited funds that I could spend on it. Um, but now I had a little more money and I wanted to invest a little bit. So one of my friends was like, yeah, I'll go in halves on this box with you. And I'm interested in the Tyranids. I said, okay, I'm interested in the Space Marines. Cool. And away we went. And a bunch of friends came over to watch us play through like how the game worked. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all the friends were like, okay, I'm going to do this army. I'm going to do that army. And away we went. Um, we were probably a little ambitious initially. We were just playing amongst our group. We didn't have probably this. This was fourth edition. We didn't have maybe the strongest grasp of the rules. And um, a friend of mine said, I want to run this campaign. Um, we were probably a little too competitive initially. Uh, especially for not understanding all the rules like we should have. Um, but, you know, when you're in a group in isolation and you're just playing the rules and you're like, well, we all think this is how this rule works. It's not until you go outside that group that you meet other people and you're like, oh, oh, we've been playing this wrong uh, the whole time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I kind of ran afoul um, uh, some some hurt feelings on on some friend's sides over how the games were played or, or whatnot it was just all silly and i so i just stepped away from it took a break for a while um and uh, uh was just getting involved in other stuff and then um kind of came back to it when the buddy that i started uh the show with uh moved to the area and he moved from the east coast out to here mm -hmm. and uh so we started playing and the group kind of fired back up again and it's been nonstop since. Um, and so it was, he was here for about six, seven months and he calls me up one day and says, Hey, you know, you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I was like, dude, I was going to ask you because I had, I had floated the idea about doing like a, a role-playing game podcast um, around some of my friends. And uh, one of my friends in particular can never take anything seriously. And so he made some fun of it. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess nobody wants to do it. And then lo and behold, this guy shows up, who Jeff, who we were on the same page, and we start the podcast, and all of a sudden, 
it took a little while, but then it took off. And, um, you know, now who's making fun of who? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So here's a question then about your, uh, your podcast. Yeah. Because, uh, I've noticed that, and, and like, there's so many different formats for podcasts and you, you, uh, you put a considerable amount of preparation yeah. in, into your podcasts. And, mm -hmm. and so what, how did you come to that decision that that yeah. would be your format? <clears throat> yeah. And the format did evolve over a period of time. So there were, there were clearly influences, right? Um, 40 K radio at the time with Spencer uh, doing that was the big dog on the block. Mm -hmm. And I kind of watched and we love that show. And in fact, um, Jeff and I met through their forums. And and we, we kind of watched the show deteriorate and kind of implode over a period of time. Um, and I watched the quality of it gradually go down. Like we, they would do codex overviews where they're just, they have a copy of the codex and they're reading the entries to you. And I'm like, one of our first advertisements was, we don't do codex overviews on the show because, well, our listeners can read, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it was kind of a dig at those guys, but I, I really, we wouldn't have ever started the show if it weren't for them. Yeah. Um, and, and Spencer was incredibly talented as a podcast host. Um, but you know, we, we were like, you know, listen, we got to prepare things. If we're going to talk about something, we have to have played it and we have to, we have to speak from a, at least a point of familiarity um, and then what happened was we had a guy by the name of Zach join us for a while on the show. And uh, Zach had a degree in, um, I think he'd done some film school stuff. And, and so he knew how to kind of put a, a, a organization to something. And our format for our notes changed at that point to where we were like, first we do segment one, then we do segment two, then segment three. And these are roughly how long they take. And you know, then we go back and we record the, the intro and record the exit. And so we know what we've talked about so we can talk about it in the intro. And, you know, and it was like, oh, OK, this is kind of eye opening. It was a really good, um, really good thought. And then what we did was we found ourselves kind of scrambling each week to, um, well, what should the topic of the show be this week? And so one day we just sat down and just said, let's list out like everything we ever want to talk about. And so we created this huge list of topic ideas, which we've run through. And occasionally I'll sit down for, um, you know, a couple hours and just think about ideas and things that we want to talk about. And so now we work from this big, long list. Like I have shows scheduled out until November at this point. Oh, and wow. yeah. And, and, and I mean, that, that moves around a little bit. I may change topics or somebody may not who I, from our group, who I want to pull in because maybe they're an expert on this particular thing may not be available. So we'll switch things up. But um, in general, we have a good idea of here's what's coming next and here's what we're going to do next uh, so that people are mentally prepared for it. And how and often? I think, I think it shows. Absolutely. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I agree uh, yeah. that I think that level of preparation is certainly appreciated by the listener because then it's, there's a certain digestion of information that comes from yeah. the preparation Whereas yeah. if it's a uh, free form, nothing against free form, but it's a different tie. It's a different kind of, I'm not that guy. <laughs> like I'm not the improv guy. Um, I'm the, the, I have to have a plan kind of thing. And, and the reality is a lot of people start podcasts and they're like, well, we like talking about 40 K. So let's just record what we talk about. Right. Like, 
Yeah. Really, that's I mean, it's easy to make a podcast. It's hard to make a good podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I you guys you were talking about some black library books and I'm sure a number of your podcasts, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there was one in particular, which, which actually did you talk about Black Legion? And, oh, yeah. Anytime. OK, so then because there were a number of different podcasters that I listened to uh, before I started listening to black library novels and and so i i forget who it was it was i don't know if it was one of your co-hosts or uh, a guest on your show but they were talking about black legion specifically and uh aaron devsky bowden and so that actually inspired me to start listening to it yeah yeah. and it was the it was i liked how there was multiple there was multiple opinions about it and there was multiple angles and uh experiences yeah. And, and you could tell that it was thought out. Yeah. That the thoughts were, you know, there's, there's <laughs> thought behind this. It's not just, Oh, how do I feel about this? And then there's an off the cuff kind of feeling about it. Right. It was, this is, I know how this is, how I feel about it. And this is how I'm going to present how I feel about this. Sure. Uh, sure. And, and Jeff, uh, we used to do this, this segment called forbidden lore, which we haven't done in a long time. Uh, other shows have done it since, which is, it's kind of a book club. Hey, here's the book we're going to read in the next three weeks. Read the book, and then we're going to have a discussion with the author about it, typically. And we would bring the author in and talk about that book, spoilers and all. Yeah. And so people could be involved in, in that. Um, and Jeff, I was like a bad version of like that Chris Farley skit on Saturday Night Live where he'd see like some star he's enamored with. And I'd be like, remember that part where, where Abaddon fired his bolter at that guy and, and his head blew up? That was cool. And, <laughs> and and Jeff would ask like these incredibly, you know, well thought out questions like, well, at the beginning, you know, in the, in the, in the prologue, you know, the character says this. And by the time we get to the epilogue, we see that this arc has happened. And I'm just like, well, that was a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, just, I liked when he shot the guy. You know? <laughs> um, That's awesome. It, 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 but it helped me. Actually, hearing Jeff ask those questions, I was like, man, you know, yeah, I need to pay way more attention to like the prologue and where things are going. What are the what are the underlying themes here of, of the story that they're trying to get across? And, you know, Aaron and John layer those themes on on things, as do several of the, the Black Library authors, where it's not just what we used to call bolter porn. Right. Or, uh, and, and and so. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I, there is a lot of thought. I think everything is planned out on our show, except the the jokes and the interruptions of of you know oh you just said that let me let me throw this thing making fun of you about what you just said in there and it's all done in good fun like all these guys are are my best of friends and and um you know we would never uh try to intentionally upset each other um and i I do have to say let me jump back real quick because 40k radio was an inspiration um but more so than 40k radio was worlds in radio at the time um which was a uh show out of out of australia and originally just kind of focused on games workshop games i think they explored other things from them but that show we loved like we we were absolutely huge fans of of that show and it, and it definitely inspired kind of our 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 attitude towards towards the hobby and that kind of thing and then uh d6 generation i mean we i loved listening to them talk about 
you know, hey, I'm building this set for this Wild West game that we're playing, and this is how I built it, and I use this balsa wood and this, that, and next week, oh, yeah, I got a little further on that set, and here's the problems I ran into. And so that really, I was like, no matter what we do, we have to have, like, a hobby progress section. It's not really about just I painted this, I painted that. It's the problems I ran into and the techniques I used and the thoughts I had as I approached it. Um, and that, <clears throat> believe it or not, like, and sometimes that, section's pretty dry when i don't do any painting or you know fortunately we have justin on the show who paints all the time um but that is a segment that people um consider honestly like that's the thing that draws them to the show and i think it's because it's from week to week they're hearing our failures as well as our successes because like some of the best like uh, the best painting videos will show you where they made mistakes and how they fix those mistakes as well yeah. Rather than just I painted this and look how great it is. You know, I want to know where you screwed up because I'm going to screw up. And then how did you fix that? And I've learned more from that than from any just look at my golden demon painted, you know. Thing. You know, and I think that's that's the X factor right there. Because yeah. you your relatability to the wide to the mass uh wargamer yeah. audience is uh is huge. Uh, yeah and i think it's also we just we put ourselves out there right like we're not we're not hey this is and i'm not i'm not making fun of you here but hey this is mini wargaming dave or hey this is uh you know um the guys from life after cousin say big nasty b and you know like we don't have handles or anything i'm just i'm carl and this is jeff and that's justin and we're gonna talk to you about fun stuff like that's that's our objective and then the the I know I'm going on. If, if you want me to stop, I'll stop anymore. No, 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 no. And the other, the other, the other X factor, if you will, maybe the Y factor at that point is we we always we don't follow the the trend, right? Ninth edition is just about to come out. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. I played my first game of it last week. Um, the the upcoming podcast videos. YouTube streamers, whatever, are all talking ninth edition. Great. We're going to talk about our favorite heroes of the Imperium in Warhammer 40k <laughs> this week. And next week, next week we're going to talk about our favorite Xenos heroes of the, of the you know, of uh, 40k. Yeah. Why am I not talking ninth edition? Because everybody else is. If if you want to hear about it, there's a lot of people out there providing that content. I'll give you my perspective on it in brief during the show. Yeah. You know, things we like, things we don't like, but I don't feel like I want to dedicate an entire show to that. And this really became apparent. There was a, um, on Bella Lost Souls, there used to be an article that would review podcasts each week. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, uh, I think the guy that wrote it was, he went by Evil Ed. There's another moniker for you. And, um, and, you know, you'd see, uh, your show come up there and he'd recommend, oh, yeah, you should listen to this if you like such and such or whatever the Necrons had come out for fifth edition and I looked at that article and there were maybe six or eight podcasts that they were mentioned, including ours. And I did a, uh, you know, control F and looked at the word Necron and it showed up like 43 times in that article because the Necrons had just released. Meanwhile, our show was like, you know, here, here's great ideas for setting up your painting studio. I, I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't remember what the exact topic was, but it had nothing to do with Necrons because everybody else is looking at Necrons. How many times can you hear the same people talk about the same rules? Like, let's give you something else to listen to. Interesting. And I think that helped 
develop us as yeah, yeah the necrons are out they look awesome you know i'm very excited aaron aaron plays necrons can't wait to play against them. so anyway about this painting studio <laughs> you know and <clears throat> it gave a different topic i mean you can only eat vanilla ice cream for so long before you're like man i could really go for some chocolate or mint chocolate chip or something you know mm -hmm. uh, and so we always will go against the grain like that and just i mean there's parts of ninth edition we may talk about but if, we'll they, there. if they fall under your radar of interesting exactly exactly yeah exactly that's interesting you know i i think because of that you have uh i don't know if it was on purpose or in an, it sounds like it is on purpose but Very much on purpose. like yeah. inadvertently <laughs> maybe intentionally maybe non-intentionally is what i'm trying to say you've non-intentionally created evergreen content that is always relevant yeah and that was another thing like we try not to be dated i mean there are things out there that we have that are a bit dated but in general we try to do things that are not dated you know um that you could listen to now our hobby progress section is going to be dated but you could listen to the topic of that episode some of our favorites are like um <clears throat> how to cheat on your spouse with 40k right <laughs> like, like <clears throat> which was a fictional silly uh, uh idea that stemmed from dragon magazine back in the day used to do this um there was a comic strip called what's new and they would always talk about how they were going to talk about sex and D and D this episode. And then something would happen and then they'd be like, well, I guess we're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> and so we had always talked about how to cheat on your spouse with 40 K we're going to get to, Oh wait, something's come up. We'll get to it next week. And we just kept pushing it off. And it was just an inside joke. And then finally we're like, let's do this episode. Like, and, and we did like this episode that was just really silly about like, and it goes from pretty mundane to like, you know, oh, buy stuff and, and you buy two boxes, but you combine the sprues into one box, you know, and then bring it home. Your wife doesn't know, right? <laughs> to, to you're renting an apartment and potentially cutting your spouse's brake lines if they find out things. And, you know, like, and people got genuinely upset about this episode. I'm like, you realize we're joking. <laughs> like, about all. Um, but it's still to this day one of my favorites. And so we would just do. You know, whatever, whatever, as you said, whatever kind of came into our radar that we thought was was fun to talk about that time. So, Carl, uh, what do you uh, what's your day job? If you don't mind, I don't know if you're public about that, but no problem. Uh, I am. Uh, so I just recently was promoted. Actually, I am uh, vice president of operations and uh, IT for um, a Internet security company. Um, so we provide. Uh, you know, email and threat intelligence and that kind of thing um, to keep companies and people safe when they're working on the internet. Okay. Primarily, it's all corporate, corporate driven. So is this, uh, I mean, you said this is recent. Uh, the promotion to VP. I was senior director before. Yeah. So what, what does your career look like? Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's weird. Um, I'm ex-military. Uh, I was in the army. I'm, I'm now 50 years old. So I was in the army from 88 to 92, right after high school. Um, I ended up working for a, a retail chain called Mervyn's after I got out of the military, uh, working shoplift apprehension and employee. You know, it's called loss prevention, catching employees that are stealing, catching shoplifters, that kind of thing. Yeah. I did that for about four or five years. And I was like, I can't work in retail anymore. This is awful. And, uh, and a friend of mine um, had uh, worked for a small internet service provider 
and said, oh, you should come over here and work tech support. And I was like, I don't know anything about this stuff. Oh, we'll teach you and come on over. So I came over and I interviewed and they hired me into that. And then eventually, um, because I had management training from a retail job, they made me a manager of the support department. Um, that company got acquired by another company. I was managed an even larger group at that point and then um, became a project manager for a while. And then uh, that company um, had a bunch of layoffs and I got laid off. I worked for Microsoft in their knock for a while and then uh, eventually worked for this small little uh, company called Dialpad um, that had gone bust kind of during the internet, um, the bubble bursting. And they were just kind of, they were like Skype. Mm. It was like Skype company. Okay. And uh, eventually we got bought by Yahoo. Um, and I worked for Yahoo for nine years um, nine and a half years until I left and went to this company that I work at now. What did you, uh, what'd you do at Yahoo? A lot of things uh, over nine years. I mean, it was, it was tremendously rewarding. I left at a good time. Um, I've been at this company now for almost seven years. Um, uh, it, at Yahoo, um, I came in as a support manager, um, for the product that we were purchased, right? We, we had been purchased and I was still managing the team, supporting that product. And eventually, um, I was going to lose that job because all their support stuff was up in Washington. And um, uh, so uh, I had been helping some folks and I got a, um, an offer to work in another department um, managing project managers or excuse me, becoming a project manager. Eventually that led to managing the project managers uh, and eventually working in the product side where I was working with Yahoo mail, Yahoo messenger, um, Yahoo groups and photos um, and then eventually I found my way into the operations team for uh, yahoo.com and news.yahoo.com and all that stuff, sports.yahoo.com. So, okay, so it's, would you say <clears throat> it's fair to say that you, your, your background with, uh, with the internet, we'll call it, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that you would have a, a very good idea of how to start a channel, start a podcast, uh, and know much better than just the average person and what things to do. Uh, I, I think I probably had a leg up a, yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I kind of enjoy one of the things I enjoy about the podcast is seeing what things work and what things don't work. Right. So like, it's fun to say, well, let's try this topic. We did a topic I thought would be, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, it was, so you want to become a black library author. And um, we talked to, uh, um, many of the Black Library authors during it, uh, new and old. We talked to the editor um, about what are they looking for and how do people submit stuff and you know how do things grow like this. And we we and I thought this is going to be a great episode. Nope, <laughs> not a lot of apparently not a lot of people want to be Black Library authors. Like I just kind of assumed, well, it would be cool to be a writer. I think people would like that. Turns out. Not really, you know, um, there's a, a very small subset of people that are very interested in doing that. Right. Um, I thought for sure that would have been a, a, a hugely successful episode. So, but it was interesting to see, okay, well that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Let's think about this. And um, as far as marketing, you know, the channel and that kind of thing, clearly I had like insight into how does marketing on the internet work for a large corporation. They have tons of money to throw at it. We don't, uh, you know, but um it was just fun to experiment and see what, what, what did and didn't work. Um, clearly something worked. Um, and you know, and a lot of it is, I think 
what I attribute to my success at work is I'm approachable, I'm friendly, uh, I'm willing to help. And I think that has translated through the mic on the show that we're approachable, we're friendly, we want to be supportive. We're not, we're not here. If the rest of the internet is this storm of, of anger and, and rage and nobody, nobody hates Warhammer 40 K like Warhammer 40 K fans, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we provide kind of a safe Harbor where, you know, look, we, yes, we do moderate our, 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 uh, Facebook group fairly heavily. And, but I think if you listen to the show, you understand the spirit of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's good. I think that's needed. Yeah. A lot more of that is needed. Uh, not just like I have seen more of it too. Yeah. I have seen more of it. And I do feel, I mean, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. I do feel like we kind of led that charge. We've been championing this for a long, long time. Um, you guys are one of the things I love about your guys videos and stuff is you guys are incredibly like positive. You're into the, obviously the, the narrative aspects of things. Um, you know, the first time I came across you was the, uh, what's the title of it with, uh, the Sergeant, the black Legion Sergeant with the 40 K rejects, 40 K rejects. Like, Oh my God, that made it around our group. This is before you and I ever met, but that made it around our group so many times that we were just like, this is the best thing ever. Did you see what happened next? You know, and, and we just thought that was absolutely hysterical. I love that kind of stuff. Um, you've seen the, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen the animated short, um, Stardies. uh, not, not that one, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, but this was like a silly, like cartoony one where it was over, it was voiced over and it was talking about how, uh, space marines and they deep strike and they do all that have you not seen that video it's it's very if i showed it to you you'll know what i'm talking okay. about right. um and then i run into the guy uh on a forum who actually created that and we've become friends since and that's uh campbell mclaughlin he and uh he and his partner uh uh do um the 40k Badcast, which i think is just hysterical like those guys are awesome too so uh, and they're very much about being positive in the hobby and that kind of thing too. So I, I love seeing that kind of stuff grow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that all that support type of stuff that kind of comes from the hobby itself is just, yeah. And like we said at fantastic. the beginning, the energy you put out there is kind of what you get back. If you're putting out a bunch of rage and anger, well, that's, what's going to be on your page, a bunch of rage and anger. I agree. Out, look at the silver lining to these things. That's what's going to come back at you. You know, it, it's, it's funny you should say that because uh, with, with the videos and making battle reports for, with the amount of years that I've been doing it and uh, having guests come in and play, I have found that the type of guests that play that prefer to play against me, they're non-competitive. Yep. Uh, they, they care more about having fun than they care about winning. And they are very fluent in the language of banter. Sure. Uh, sure. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I project, right? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're going to draw those kind of people to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, I think that's why you, you, when I come out there, you and I are going to have a good time because all of those things line up, which is why I watch your stuff, right? Because you line up with what I'm finding interesting. Um, if I were highly competitive and there's, you know, there's a Reddit subreddit for like competitive 40K. And, you know, I'm occasionally searching through Reddit, through forums, through searches to see where's my show mentioned. What are people saying? Are there ideas or thoughts there that we can incorporate into the show? Um, you know, and I see a subreddit and they're like, oh, and they're talking specifically about me. And this guy doesn't even know, you know, I don't, I don't remember the, 
the particular rule that the community had focused itself around you know but at that point but it's like oh he doesn't even know what this is he doesn't know how to play this game and i'm like sure okay guys sure. i mean i'm clearly in the wrong forum right <laughs> as long as you guys are having fun with what you're doing knock yourself out but you know i'm having fun so I'm, am i doing it wrong i don't think so no you know? no i don't think is there is there a wrong way to enjoy the hobby oh of course not yeah. as long as you're yeah, that, and it and it is there is a thing from games workshop where it's it's I'm trying to remember. John had told me about it. It was like, it's 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 your hobby, it's my hobby, it's our hobby, right? Yeah. It's whatever you know, whatever you want it to be, you know. So, make it make it your own. Um, you know, it's it's actually another thing to another layer to that. Your hobby, our <laughs> hobby, uh, in addition to the hobby itself, is actually a similar hobby because my hobby, other than just playing the game is yeah. is uh documenting the game and presenting the game and storytelling the game right yeah and your hobby in addition to playing the game is uh talking about the game and presenting okay. the stories of the game like you have a different hobby on top of the hobby yeah that a yeah. lot of people don't have yeah i'd say yours is even more involved because this is a revenue generating thing for you like this is your business as well as your hobby you're you're one of the lucky few that gets to do both. You know? um, I recognize, yeah I, yeah, I do recognize that we're certainly fortunate and <laughs> and uh, where we're where we're at. Uh, every day I recognize that man. Like that's it's yeah. it's awesome. Uh, Enjoy every day because man, yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> I uh, wish I loved my work as much as that. <laughs> <laughs> my work pays well and and I like it, you know. And I work with people I really respect and enjoy, but I'd much rather be playing forty k. <laughs> It, it's so interesting. Uh, and, you know, it, I actually uh, it dawned on me the other day when uh, when I did a practice game of 9th edition. And it dawned on me, I'm like, man, I haven't played a game of 40K and not filmed it in years. It's been years. Do you feel that adds pressure to you in any way? Or you kind of evolved beyond that at this point? Like when you were first putting videos out, Oh. And, and I watched your, uh, you also did a video on how you guys do your battle report videos, like how you edit them together and you just, oh, I'm rolling the dice now and I'm not, you know, it, you have it down to, uh, <laughs> at the risk of, of, of sounding, uh, you know, like I'm sucking up to you. Like you watch, uh, a Tarantino movie and you're like, yes, this is a Tarantino movie. I can see how it is filmed and, and the pacing and everything. And others try to emulate that. You have a very distinctive style for your battle reports that you watch and you go, ah, yeah, there's the background music. There's the, the, the cuts to the rolling of dice. There's the cuts to now I've moved this here and this, you know, you're, you're cutting out all the, all the chaff that doesn't need to be there so that you can get the story through and see what happened. Um, and, and you focus in particular on the, the dramatic die rolls, which is the nice thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, do you find that, um, when you first started doing that, you were more nervous about putting that content out and oh, how it would be received? Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, back in like 13 years ago when we started, uh, I used to edit, I used to edit all the videos back then and yeah. <laughs> I, I edited, I, I trimmed every single clip yeah and every time i would mess up a word i would edit it out and yeah. uh and i'd go through it and like there'd be mistakes in the game uh you know because i'm not a perfect player 
by any means. And so I, I, I have often said I have never played a game of 40k without a mistake happening in it. Yeah, it's uh, too. It's way too much stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I'd catch it afterwards. I'm like, oh man, it's like blatant mistake. Yeah. And sometimes I would either cut it out. Sometimes I'd leave it, hope no one would see it. And sometimes I would leave it and actually add captions like, "This is a mistake, guys." Uh, and so that was back. That was back then, right? And yeah. And so back then, when you're presenting yourself online, you're like, okay, you, you, you want to, you know, like a lot of people are seeing this, and you don't want people to see mistakes, and you want to be viewed as the professional. But what does right. that? What does that even mean? What does that mean? Right. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a professional, therefore I don't make mistakes, and I'm very good at the game, or I am a video personality that just documents myself playing the game and what you see is what you get. And that's, yeah. a, that's eventually what I grew into. Right. Cause I mean, now we, we, we certainly don't profess to be, uh, you're a professional video content deliver. Yes. Maybe not a professional 40 K player. Right. Correct. That is very, very accurate because I've, I've spoken with, uh, tournament players who are professional 40 K players yeah. That, that is all they do. They play in tournaments and win tournaments right. and, and know the rules for every single codex and right. collect every army. That is very different from what I do. And if they make a mistake, it's not it's not forgetting a basic rule of the game. Like their mistake is, oh, I didn't see that five five steps down the road because something distracted me. Like that's their mistake. It's a it's a different it's a or tactical error, not a mistake of the yeah. yeah. Oh I missed you know something or yeah or or it's like uh all right i'm uh i'm calculating the odds of the chances of this going off versus this oh i rolled a two on my charge and it was three inches away oh darn okay so that's their mistake you know like, like yeah uh and and so i it was interesting actually talking to a couple of 40k tournament players on on the podcast and interviewing them and getting their perspective because it yeah. made me appreciate both sides better it made me appreciate sure. the tournament players uh, who are really focused on that. And it made me appreciate what I do better because uh, it made me realize that what I'm doing isn't that. Right. It is, it's something else entirely. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And mm. I shouldn't focus on that at all. I should focus yeah. on what I'm enjoying. Right. And projecting right. that because that's really what I'm good at. I'm good at enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I went through the exact same thing. Like when we were first doing the show, I would edit every show. Oh, there was this gap between this pause in my in my statement because I was thinking about what I was going to say next. I, I removed that gap. Now I sound like I just flowed, you know. And I would go through and remove all these. I'd spend the as the show was three hours. I would spend seven hours editing out gaps and ums and ahs. I just got better at not saying um and ah as much mm -hmm. and now i'm my editing of a show is really just putting each of the segments together <laughs> you know? and maybe removing something that was said that was completely all we stopped for a minute or you know something um along those lines that was said that you know well wait we let me rethink how i want to say that and then but that's so infrequent at this point yeah so but yeah now we're just kind of we we've we're so practiced at it that we can just go through the show yeah but, yeah. yeah but yeah. That, that and there's room i think there's room in this hobby i mean clearly there is 
for all types of takes on it. You know, yeah. There's a lot of people playing this game more than ever, I think. Yeah. I think more than ever. I think it, you look at GW stock price and you can see that more and more people have to be getting into this game. I, I personally know people who've come back to the game who had left it long ago as of 8th edition. 8th edition, yeah. And I think ninth will draw even more. I mean, look at how fast the <laughs> Indominus box sold out. And you could say, oh, they didn't anticipate enough, but I think maybe they overmarketed it and didn't realize just how popular it was going to be. Um, what do you think about their response to Game Workshop's response to that, to it selling out and then saying, okay, now we're going to, we'll make it made to order. You can each order one. You have a week, two weeks to order it. I think, uh, I think it was the, I think it was smart. It's the best they yeah. could do for the scalpers. I mean, because it, it was bound to happen. Yeah. So, so it's like, hey, that's that's a smart move. Yeah. Uh, uh, what would what would I do if I was the CEO in that situation? And that was one of the options that was before me. I think I would choose that. I mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and somebody said, well, why didn't they just do that from the beginning? I'm like, well, then you cut out all the friendly local game stores, right? You, you want to make sure they're supported too. I think it was a great response. Uh, yeah. We had we had people on our forum who were very upset when they couldn't get the box, and and rightfully so. You know, I mean, understandably so. When you know they were like, it, it, how did they not anticipate? Ten minutes later, it's going. Fifteen minutes later, it's sold out. You know, um, I, I feel really disappointed. And, and I, I remember saying at one of them, at one point in this thread, I was like, if you guys don't think Games Workshop is trying to figure out how to make this right, rethink it, because they will. And then it was like the next day, they're like, if you didn't get one, we didn't anticipate this, you can order one. And I was like, there you go. Yeah. You know, it really is a new company. You got to wonder if they actually had planned for it in, in the event of. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder they could have they could have said what's our look when we deploy software to servers right we say we're going to deploy this to these servers um everything looks like it should go fine we've tested it everything should be fine what's our backout plan <laughs> like yeah if it goes wrong what do we do like we always have a plan like that and if you're doing a major launch like this i'll bet you they treat it kind of the same way i hadn't really thought about it until you said that but i'll bet you they treat it like okay what happens if it all sells out? I know for a fact back in the day when um, the Horus Heresy books came out and they released, um, it was one of the, the slipcase collections they released. And I know for a fact they thought there is no way this thing is going to sell out and we're going to be stuck with a bunch of these. It's a limited edition. We're going to be stuck with a bunch of them. And then what are you going to do? And I knew the guy who actually did all the layout, like was in charge of the team, did layout and kind of <clears throat> pushing this forward. Al, Alan Bly would write the stuff along with several other folks. And then this was the guy who was responsible for the, the look of the book, the, the interior and exterior structure of the book, the whole thing. And, um, and I remember him saying they said this would uh, not sell out. And they were concerned that we had invested too much money in it. And then he had to call them or he got a call from them. And they said, you have to stop. Like we have to pull it down because it's, it's, it's selling out too fast. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's very difficult for them, I think, to judge this kind of thing. Yeah. But I think they've probably also learned over the years. Okay. So what's, what's our backup plan? If this happens, what if we wind up with them not selling out? What do we do then? Yeah. Right. Um, 
there's probably a number of it, it, then it's probably well wait till it sells you know just keep it on the shelves and wait till it sells or whatnot but um yeah yeah it's it, 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 I, I bet you're right i'll bet you're right i bet they had this in the back pocket hey look if it sells out we've already limited it to you can only get three or whatever but if that all sells out we've talked to our manufacturer that will take these orders and then we'll do a one-off because ultimately i mean they're they're a mentor company they want to make money they got to be creating the methods of making the most money right and this of course. is this, I, the stockholders demand it right yeah like, the reality is they're a publicly traded company this makes them more money yeah i think in the best way because everyone's happy or everyone's Every the, everyone's the happiest in this case right everyone gets what they want uh, if and, you wanted to buy five of them, well, okay, maybe you know, rethink it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. I I thought it was a great solution. I thought it was an elegant solution. I was really, really, I was excited to see them pull that off. I almost went and ordered another one <laughs> just because I was like, I really don't need another one of these things. So, but uh, yeah, that's curious too because I know people that ordered it and don't collect space rings. Nor Necrons. You know, they like, yeah. they just wanted it because yeah. it was new. Sure, it had the rule book in it, but, you know, that'll be Maybe. available later or now. I know some people who've decided to pick up Necrons because of these new Necrons coming out, right? And the models, God, the models are so good. The, the Space Marine models in that, the Primaris Marines are incredible. Oh, looking. yeah. They're, they've never made better models. I agree. Yeah. Like, they're getting better every year with the stuff that they're making it's incredible yeah, yeah. and the bikes are just I, that honestly so i don't know about you uh gw sent sent us a review copy of of the book i'm sure you guys are are in that category um so we got it and uh i had our necron player i said here's all the necrons go assemble them so you can talk about them uh i'm gonna assemble the space marines and then i was like oh these bikes are just incredible I need three more bikes. I guess I'll buy another Indominus. <laughs> I guess I'll buy one, you know, uh, so I can get more bikes. Yeah. I don't need all the character models. I'll probably end up either kit bashing those or giving them to friends or, or selling them. But, um, and then the Necrons, we have multiple Necron players. So, but I've seriously considered maybe I should start a Necron army. I mean, these are pretty cool. I'm like, I really don't need the army. So it, I, 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 I love it. I love what they're doing. I love everything that Games Workshop is doing at this point. And I think when people kind of rail against GW, as 40K players are known to do, um, <clears throat> oh, it's the same old GW. It really isn't. The company has no. drastically changed. It's very different. Three to four years. Yeah. Absolutely. They're very, they're more uh, welcoming of their fan base. For sure. They're, they're, they're including, like, they hear them. I, I would say that the biggest difference is they acknowledge what the fans want yep and they are uh, openly communicating with this their is fans. This, this is how i've summarized the old ceo was don't tell us what you want we'll tell you what you want the new ceo is tell us what you want let's see what we can how we can fit all this together why wouldn't you like this is this is the 2000s right like it's time to start acting like a 2000 company and i think he's he's killing it yeah i agree so something I'll mention about the models that I noticed, uh, and I noticed this uh, recently, but most particularly with uh, the new Fabius Bile model. Yeah. Because uh, I have the old and the new. 
uh, Fabius Bile, and uh, <laughs> the new one's awesome. Like you look at it and the detail and his pose and like his bits and awesome looking. The aesthetic is amazing. The scale is awesome. Everything looks really good. And the difference, I think, one of the biggest differences between the old models yeah. and the new models, other than the fact that the new ones just look so much better, is that the new ones feel like they, if you knock them over, they'll break because there's so many parts. On some of them, for sure. On some of them, yeah. Not not, yeah. not all, but on some of them, it's like you knock it over, it'll break. Whereas the old it ones... Spindly pieces and some of them. Spindly yeah. pieces, yeah. Uh, the old ones, like you knock it over and it doesn't break. Yeah. What about though? But if you go back far enough, remember the metal ones. Um, yeah. How many times you have a sword bend, and then oh. you're like, I'm trying to bend it back so it doesn't break, and you hear it crick, you know, and you're like, oh no. And when that sword broke, it was like, how am I ever going to put this sword? Like, no amount of glue is going to hold this sword together again. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there are some very, very tiny pieces on these things because they can do that level of detail now. Yeah. But it's kind, of, it's kind of like uh, Jeff Goldblum in 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 uh, Jurassic Park. You know, just because you could, does that mean you should? <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorites, one of my favorites, is the Necromunda uh, Goliath gang. Um, there's a guy that has a cigar in his mouth. Okay. And it's a separate piece. The cigar is a separate piece that goes into his mouth and people were losing it all the time. And then one of the model builders at games workshop said, showed you, this is how you put it together. And he, and he had the head and he left the cigar on the sprue and he put a dollop of glue on the cigar on the sprue and put the head on the cigar. And then he clipped off the cigar of the sprue awesome. and he goes, now you won't lose the cigar. And I'm like, of course that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. How tiny is that thing? Right? Yeah. And you know what? I would, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want it to be the old way. Uh, no. The new way is amazing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then you could put it in your table work case and it's all secure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> you just on a plane. <laughs> I love it. it. It just all comes back around full circle. <laughs> so, okay. So you said you played a little bit of ninth. Um, so that, I want to talk to you about that a little bit uh, sure. because I, I played a, a bit of like, let's see, four or five games. I've played one full game of ninth at this point. Okay. Uh, and it took a while because we wanted to go through, you know, every rule, make sure we were doing it right. And I still think we made mistakes. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I mean, it were, I mean, we're, it's the old and new editions melding, right? Uh, right. So first off, what army did you use when you played? Uh, Thousand Sons. Played against orcs. Against Doris, okay. Uh, we played a thousand point game. We wanted to keep it kind of low. We went, new we points? went, we went new points because we have the document for the new points um, yeah. uh, that GW sent to previewers. Um, uh, so we went with new points. We we played that. I to be honest, I'm a power level fan, and oh, yeah. I know. It, Aren't, but I love power level and I can't wait till they update the power level stuff because that's what we typically want to play. Yeah. Um, and we also want to play Crusade like big time. Crusade yes. is the way we want to play this game. Um, so excited about that feature. But we did play a thousand points. Uh, I played against my podcast partner and buddy uh, Jody. Uh, he brought his orcs. Um, man, I am so glad tanks can fire in close combat now. 
Right. Even if it's at a minus one, you know, it's viable. It works. Uh, I think that I, I ended up losing the game. Um, but man, like, again, so much fun was had. Like it wasn't like I, I just there, there were so many orcs. I just couldn't get them off the objectives. Fast <laughs> enough, right. Um, and it was one of those cumulative objective games where it's like every round you're on it, you're gaining points. And and uh, but boy, there was a point where I had a last cannon predator uh, that was just decimating like his heavy, you know, mechs and stuff. And um, finally, he he breaks free with some uh, orc bikers and they come charging at the, the predator. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spin this command point for Overwatch because now you have to spin the command point on Overwatch. That's right. And I roll, I roll a four dice and I roll three sixes and a five and I just vaporize all these all these orcs that are were going to tear my poor predator, you know, with that claw, they were going to tear my poor predator to pieces. I just vaporize them. I was like, I don't care if I win or lose at this point. That was the game right there as far as I'm concerned. But the game was bloody. I mean, by the time we were done, I think he maybe had seven or eight models on the table and I had three. Oh wow! So that's a good yeah. game. Yeah, it was, and and to me, that's what makes a good game. Like, yeah. I, I don't it, even if I get, you know, my my loss handed to me handily. Like, I think the end game there was something like twenty eight to ten, you know, in points or something like that in that game. Right. Um, it was clear I was I was losing, and I was still trying to overcome that. But there was a point where it's like point and no return. There's no way I can get enough points to win. But even there I didn't care because like I felt like I was I was doing something. You know, I yeah. wasn't just getting wiped off the table. I was actually doing things and and man I I love this game. And I hadn't played in a while because of the uh uh you know coronavirus stuff. And and so it was really fun for us to get together and, and play. And and I think Jody felt the same way. Like we'd been waiting for ninth for so long and Finally, to be able to sit down and play a game, it kind of reignited why we do all this uh, for us. So it was awesome. I get, okay, so I'm going to describe something to you, and then I'll ask you after I describe it what what you like to do. Yeah. One of my favorite things, if not my most favorite thing to do in a game of 40K is, because I love corn, I love berserkers, is when uh, I charge with berserkers and I kill a unit with berserkers. Mm -hmm. That is just like that feeling of all of those attacks and that overwhelming blood and carnage is just awesome. I don't care if I lose the game, if that happens at some point. I don't care if the Berserkers die right after. Right. I'm satisfied, right? Like, uh, you know, the blood flowed and Corn was happy. That's right. That mattered. What is that for you? Like, do you have something like that where. You know, like you don't care if you win or lose after something cool like that happens. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's one particular thing uh, with the Thousand Suns army that I play because the thing I love about that army is it's so you have to have the things in the right place at the right time in order to in order to get things to sync up correctly and and pull off a particular um, move. Um, I love. <laughs> I love when my Scarab Occult Terminators actually earn some points back uh, because I always feel like they don't uh, really live up to what I need them to. Um, for me, I think the satisfying thing for me, th this is it. The satisfying thing for me with those Thousand Suns is that they are incredibly durable and people don't realize that. Like they think, that the Rubric Marines in particular, they think that uh, 
plague marines are like the oh yeah they're tough and they have you know what we used to call feel no pain and, and yada yada and that's how they're represented but there's different ways the game represents toughness mm -hmm. and the psychic might of the thousand suns and their their all is dust ability which means basically if the weapon causes only one wound against a rubric marine uh i get a save at basically a plus one so a three plus rubric marine you fire a bolter at him a regular bolter no no ap minus or anything uh he's saving on a two up yeah and that tends to surprise people um and so what i love what i love more than anything is there you have like a squad of rubric marines standing on something and they just take all kinds of fire and they're still just kind of standing there and i'm like yeah you're gonna have to come a little closer if you want to deal with that and then you're gonna have to deal with all this psychic powers i that's the thing that really appeals to me about that army i, I just love the concept of of sorcery and in this future setting mm -hmm. and the fact that it's like this corruption that they're manipulating like i that to me makes them the most interesting army to me um and so i think for me it's yeah it's being able to withstand just a ton of punishment and then people going what and then and then the other thing i'll do the other thing i'll do i always i always like call my my roles like <clears throat> yeah. uh, like like i think it was the same it was it was my buddy josh was gonna charge my dreadnought with something and my dreadnought has a missile launcher and a last cannon this was last edition and i said well what's going to happen is you're going to charge him sure i go go ahead i'm going to fire overwatch and i'm going to take his head off with my last cannon and then sure enough you know it's just like oh, oh there's my six for overwatch and take your damage <laughs> and i'm like see there it is. Oh, man. I, I go um, <laughs> I always, or, or like i'll throw the dice <laughs> When I know it's like a bad situation, I'm like, oh, I just need to roll eight straight fives or sixes. No problem. And I just throw the dice and don't even look at him. I go, so what are you going to do next? <laughs> you know, like, a bunch of ones and twos. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but That's yeah, fun. I, yeah, I really resonate with that army in particular. And I'm, I'm not the best player of it, but I, I really do enjoy it. Yeah. I like I like calling dice, too. It's fun. That, yeah. that actually happened in my game yesterday. Uh, Luca, I was fighting Luca. Uh, it was, let's see world eaters versus ultramarines and he was firing at one of my demon engines i think my mauler fiend and uh you know they got a five up demon save right so i was like okay uh two mark of dave's coming up that's the six on my die yeah right and i just roll it and like two sixes come up and he's like oh like, come on and you're just like yep yeah you know, that's it that's, right that's what happens i told you you know <laughs> it's so satisfying like that's just another yeah. layer of satisfaction to the game Oh, I love moments like that. Run, I used to run a World Eaters army. Like I had all the Forge World, uh, World Eater um, pieces on on them and everything. So it was like this total Forge World army. And uh, I used to run, and it wasn't the best thing, but I used to run a Corn uh, uh, Lord with a demon weapon. This was sixth and seventh edition. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> I think he had like base four attacks or whatever, plus one on the charge. Okay, but then you roll 2d6, and if any of those is a 1, he takes a wound and he doesn't get any attacks. Yeah. But the times I would roll double sixes. Oh, yeah. My corn lord waves in with 17 attacks on the charge. <laughs> it just be like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it was worth every failure just to have that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's 
It's like Karn too. I don't know if uh, how much you. Oh, I used to use him all the time, especially when he would just rip apart vehicles. Oh, oh you yeah. guys, you guys are in a Land Raider, huh? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a beast, man. Oh, he's yeah. so much fun to use. And- when he would attack back in those days, when he was considered a monstrous creature for his attacks, and so he would just rip open vehicles with that axe, and you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, I love that. Love that stuff. I think he and Abaddon are actually my favorite characters to field. Not just for like their their fun stuff they do in the game, but like because yeah. I, I feel like I know them better yeah. than other characters, right? So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Abaddon would want this to happen. Therefore, this is what I'm gonna do in the game. Do you ever do that? Do you ever play narratively? What? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure with that. Uh, and here's the thing. I uh, When I first got into chaos, it was a Death Guard army. And this was I read an article in a white dwarf and they had detailed out this beautiful cityscape and it was Death Guard. And I'd never seen them before. And they had like zombies with them and typhus and all this stuff. And I <clears throat> in d and I was huge into undead and that kind of stuff. And I, I told my buddy, I go, uh, this is going to be my next army. Like, these guys look awesome. And he's like, you realize they're really tough. Like, they're tough as nails, right? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. I just think they're really cool. So I had built this army all around that. But in that narrative report, I remember there was this one picture of Typhus with, like, a targeting reticle over him as, like, a sniper was shooting at him or something. And he had lost all his wounds. And I remember in the article, they're like, well, Typhus teleports back up to his battle barge, right? Like, he didn't get killed. He teleported back up to the battle barge, right? No battles so now literally every time like oh armin's gonna die uh, he teleported back up to battle bar <laughs> <laughs> oh no he stepped into the webway you know <laughs> like i just because <laughs> he can't die i mean it would, yeah. it would crush me <laughs> <laughs> uh do you ever do you ever have a moment in a game where <clears throat> it's like something like that where you know someone's about to die and you're faced with the okay well i could hold him back and kind of put him behind cover so that he doesn't die doesn't yeah. die or I run him forward what would you do in that in that case what's he supposed to do right i mean to me it's like karn's not gonna go hide behind it he's got one wound left yeah. he's not gonna hide behind there and lick his wounds no that's just gonna anger him more and he's gonna charge forward that's right every time yeah. every and time he got shot. well he was wounded you didn't realize he was wounded on the battlefield he recovered later <laughs> that's right yeah that's exactly what how, how it works i like your uh your suit of corn armor there Oh yeah, uh, that is pretty impressive. That's fun to put on. Oh, you wear it? <laughs> I've worn it once. Yes. <laughs> you not? The costume is probably your favorite part. <laughs> that that is my favorite part. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's just a fun piece. It's super cool. That's incredible. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that the skull is the mask. Like it's part of the costume. Like I thought it was on like a skeleton thing. No, the the head skull. It's actually the mask. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that is really cool. Oh, that is pretty cool. Where'd you get that made? Uh, that's uh, uh art hammer. Okay. I is that a is that a website? Yeah. A guy. Yeah, it's a web. Uh, I hope I'm not saying the wrong name. I'd be very embarrassed, but I believe it's art hammer. Uh. Yeah, they make a number of different uh, suits of armor that are heavily Art, inspired. LARP, LARPA Workshop, that's them. Yeah. So oh, you're, wow. you're looking it up right now? Look, yeah, I see the Chaos Corner Armor set right here. Yeah. Uh, so I got that. Um, I got another Dwarven set, and I have a Sisters of Battle. These guys are set. really talented. Yeah, I wow. saw I saw one one time. I'm like, man, 
I want one of those. That is cool. Yeah, they're they're a pretty penny, but once you have one, it's like, man. Yeah. The, I mean, if you think about it, it's really the same cost as like a Warlord Titan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, <clears throat> actually, no, I think the Warlord might be more, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of all within the realm of this hobby, right? It's like we'll use it just as often. That's right. I've used my Warlord Titan once. But the one time I did use him, it was incredible. And I do plan on using him again. So I have a Reaver, Chaos Reaver Titan painted by uh, Caleb Wissenbeck. Um, that he just kept hassling me about, let me paint it, let me paint it. And I'm like, fine. So I he painted it. It's, it is incredible. I mean, the, every time people look at it, and they look at, they're like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. There's so much free hand on it. It's just insane. Um, and we were at Warhammer World. My, with, I was there with my wife. <clears throat> We'd flown out there and we were visiting friends and stuff. And, and we were looking at the Forge World shop. And, and she was like, well, you have, I was looking at the, the um, Warlord Titan. And I'm like, oh, man, look at this. This is really cool. And yada yada and she's like well you already have the warhound in the reaver she goes you should get that one <laughs> and i'm like yeah i i should i guess <laughs> because i haven't used the reaver in a in a game yet so i i held off on buying it i'm kind of glad oh. i i'm kind of glad i did because i just you know i haven't even i've used the reaver once and it's like i need to get more use out of these things if i'm going to spend that kind of money at this point yeah yeah, that's kind of where my mind is at. You know, it's like I I see a lot of models come out and I'm like, yeah, I could get those. Am I really going to use that in the near future? Probably not. I have a closet full of boxes I need to paint and assemble first. Maybe I should do that first, Carl, you know. Um, but that doesn't preclude me from like if they came out with a new Thousand Suns unit, I'd be like, well, that clearly I need to pick up, right? <laughs> like that doesn't, that's, that's, that's going to get used immediately. So that could immediately go to the front of the queue. Exactly. So. All right. Okay. So, viewers, we're going to open this, uh, open up the uh, interview to some of your comments and questions. So, uh, leave leave comments uh, for Carl, for us, uh, for whoever, and uh, I'll relay some of those back to you, Carl. It's still weird to me that people would would care what I would think of. <laughs> um, most of the questions I get, uh, I occasionally get questions from people that are wanting to set up a podcast and how do they set it up to the point where I literally just wrote an article and now I just point them to the article. I'm just going to go read this, please. <laughs> I need to update that because I've updated my hardware. <clears throat> so okay. what did what, go ahead? Did you have something? I was just going to say, uh, where do people go to, to find you, uh, to find your podcast? Yeah, sure. So uh, obviously any, <clears throat> any uh, podcast uh, aggregator you can go to, whether it's iTunes or whatever. Um, but also uh, you can go to the independentcharacters.com. That's independent, all E's in independent. Uh, but if you accidentally put an A at there at the end, uh, one of our listeners bought that domain and redirects it to ours. <laughs> but um, but the independentcharacters.com is where you can find us. We also have a Facebook page. We have a Facebook group. Um, the group is very... Um, very in a line with the show. Um, a lot of times people will try to join the group and, um, you know, we have questions they answer and, and uh, we'll tell them, um, you know, please go read what the show is about so that you're at least, it, make sure this is the right place for you. Right. Um, everybody's welcome. But, um, you know, some, if 
some people may not find it they may find it heavily moderated or that kind of, you know, that kind of kind of thing um so what have you been doing during the um the covid lock in place so you're fortunate in the sense that you can still play games with your close-knit family and, and group there right yeah so yeah we've continued to make videos uh yeah. I've, I've continued to make videos from home and a uh, a positive byproduct of covid if you can count them uh, this is something that has come that would not have come otherwise is my wife actually started playing 40k oh boy oh yeah i saw i saw that i saw that video and i mean that's that. <clears throat> that's incredible right like uh you know we were doing we did a campaign together we did uh, that's awesome. and uh it was a slow grow she she played blood angels i played black legion and it was it was fun and we did that's it awesome. we involved the the community so they would vote on what she should add next to her nice. force, right? Yeah. Uh, and so super fun, man. And we're going to do Crusade. Uh, yeah. And she'll be playing Sisters, and I'll do World Eaters. Nice. Uh, and she's excited for it. She's excited for a Crusade. And that's – so that's kind of really it because I've continued to work the whole time and yeah, uh, just kind of focusing on social media and uh, making posts and – creating content as per normal my regular work is ramped up but um we've been primarily doing online role-playing games that kind of thing um you know normally tabletop not like not like world of warcraft that kind of stuff but um tabletop role-playing games call of cthulhu dungeons and dragons that kind of thing we've actually found that we've been able to reconnect with that a bit uh, because we are doing it remotely it's easy for everybody to kind of jump on at a particular time so that's worked really well I have a question here. Uh, this is, let's see. Nighthawk McAwesome says, so Carl, which army do you think is best and why is it Dark Eldar? <laughs> Dark Eldar are uh, pretty darn good, to be honest with you. Uh, and there's been multiple times I've considered starting one, um, especially because I'm friends with uh, Brian Harvey and the guys that run uh, the Splinter Mind podcast. Uh, and we were all part of the playtest group during the uh, Dark Eldar codex so i know that codex is quite good as much as i tried to tame it down <laughs> brian was having none of it um boy I, I have the hardest time against that army what army is best it's it's the orcs i mean because <laughs> i i would love to play them i just i always lose to them i always lose there's just so many of them you know what i feel the same way i feel like if i didn't play chaos i'd be an orc player totally yeah. And I think they, they share some of the same traits. Like chaos, you can kit bash a lot of stuff. Like it, yeah. it's fun to like make things look chaotic for that matter. But but with with orcs, like I don't know an orc player that doesn't kit bash. Yeah. It's Not part of the course. It comes with the territory for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's been many times uh we've made jokes because I almost drunkenly bought a, an orc army online one time. We were at a tournament. And we had left the tournament and we were all at dinner and I'd had a few too many margaritas and uh, we were talking about 40K and I was talking about how the, the power of eBay and I go, look, I could buy this army right now, this orc army, I could just buy it right now. And so this is an ongoing joke about me drunkenly, buy, drunkenly buying an orc army, which I have not done. Not yet. And well, I keep resisting. <laughs> okay, so this is from Quentin Colley thought about chaos dreadnought being nerfed in points is it still viable <clears throat> the hell brute was nerfed huh 
Yeah, I, I think its points did go up um, quite a bit. Uh, I have had a lot of good luck with my Hellbrute, uh, especially my in my Thousand Suns army. Um, one of the things I find is that I I tend to add um, a bunch of Lascans in there. So you heard me earlier talk about a Lascan and Predator in my regular like two thousand point list. I'm fielding two of those Lascan and Predators because when you're firing four Lascan and shots downrange with you know, re-roll, re-rolls of one next to them or you're um, casting uh, uh, prescience on, on them, you know, as well. Uh, they tend to punch holes in a lot of big things. Uh, and my Dreadnought or, or Hellbrute uh, is Last Cannon Missile Launcher. Uh, so I get a lot of use out of that. I think they have gone up in points, but one of the benefits to them now too is they can still move their full distance and fire their weapons with no minus. And that's that makes them way more viable because now they're they're way more mobile than they used to be. That guy used to just kind of sit in the back. Now he's just moving around, firing that thing at full full BS value. It's pretty pretty nice. Um, for my games, of course, they're still viable. Tournament games, yeah, you probably won't see them that often. I don't think. But but for mine, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't dream of going to war without my dreadnought, buddy. <laughs> I feel the same way about Deffy. Yeah, I'll bet you do. <laughs> I'm so happy when I saw the rules. I'm like, what? Ah, oh, it's amazing. But the fact that you can move and fire the heavy weapons and still he's hitting on threes, not too shabby. And fire when you're locked in combat too, right? Like, Yep, yep, in your firing phase, yeah. So much. Like those two things right there. That's Plus, why he wins in points. Yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, he's amazing in close combat. Yep. He does sick damage, right? Like, Well, if you got a close combat weapon on, I'm sure, but. For for mine, he's just walking around, you know, with his last cannons, his missile launcher. But now I can use him right in point blank range. I mean, what mine is, but sure, it makes you think twice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's tough for the opponent when you have multiple defilers. Oh yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, uh, I haven't fielded a defiler in years. Really? In years? Do you have any but, in your collection? The new blast stuff. I have I have one for my um, for my uh, Death Guard army, um, but this may this may push me over the edge to do one for my Zeech army. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, they are they're so much better now. Uh, okay, so this is <clears throat> this is a question. This is a question for me, but I'll direct it at you too. Uh, this is from Jesse Y. Which edition has been your favorite in the past, and how do you feel Ninth will hold up to it? Uh, what was the edition? I mean, I really enjoyed seventh. Like as much as it got really crazy at the end with so many formations and stuff, I really enjoyed seventh. Uh, but I have to say that I'm really liking ninth. Yep. Like uh, I enjoyed eighth when it came out, and ninth is just a better version of eighth. So, I so think, of course better. Yeah. I think ultimately ninth, like I'm really enjoying this new edition and because I've been playing since fourth edition and what happens when I play, when I go from edition to edition is that my mind kind of melds the new rules and then I eventually forget the old rules. Right. And so right now, like I I can't even remember seventh edition rules now because it's been too long. Yeah. Right. When I was playing seventh edition, I used to say the best way to play 7th edition was Horus Heresy. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and and I felt like it was restrained in the right places. I think seventh edition, especially as you said, towards the end, we weren't playing it towards the end. I was actually playing Age of Sigmar at that point because I was just like, this is this is entirely too cumbersome at this point. Um, I went back and played a Horus Heresy game a couple years later, and then uh, the minute I got into close combat, I was like, oh, this is dragging so bad. <laughs> and um, you know, I know there are people very passionate about Horus Heresy still. I love it. I love the whole theme of it, but I don't play it anymore. Um, for me, eighth has been the best edition, and and it's a it's an entire change of of the way they approach the game. Um, <clears throat> they went from trying to make a rule for everything to making the game a little more abstract, but now it's a game. It's not a simulation. They're, they realized it's not a simulation of a war. It's a game that gives you the feeling that you're fighting something, right? I mean, that's kind of really what it boils down to. And the game went from, can I do this? Um, no, you can't. Or yes, you can, but you have to do this. To can I do this? Yes, and you can do this. Or you could do this other thing, right? It, it would take, for example, charging into terrain became, you know, if, it, initially it used to be okay. You charge, but if you charge into terrain, you have to take a minus two. They were just like, you know what? You just charge into terrain, <laughs> you know, like just, just charge, just, just charge go. In. Yeah, just. Go. Um, they are adding a little bit in ninth, a little bit more of that complexity that they had kind of removed. Maybe they feel they went a little too far, but I, I am, I'm with you. I, I've only played one game in ninth so far. It was a great game. I, I don't feel like I can speak expertly on it so far, but, but if it's more of more of eighth, I'm in and everything I've read, I really, really mm -hmm. like, I just haven't put it all to practice yet. I like what they've done with terrain. I, I must say. Yeah. Yeah, that was a needed change. Their their terrain rules, I think, are the best they've ever been. The morale rules. You the like morale. The, you think the morale is because before, and if, if you don't know, before like, uh, hey, my leadership is seven. Um, I've lost ten guys. I roll a d six, uh, you know, for my for my leadership test plus that ten. I now have to remove eight guys off the field. That's just it. Now at least it's oh I roll for all those guys to see if any of them just wipe out right um, yeah it, yes is it another roll it is but it just doesn't feel so binary yeah now now it, it's funny it actually makes it it, it kind of pulls you into the narrative narrative a little more because it's like each guy chooses for themselves if they're going to stay or not for sure for yeah. sure you get to pick yeah who gets removed so and, and I like how. The smaller your unit is, the more likely chance that they will still be there. Right. And the larger your unit is, the you'll lose it. You'll lose more. Yeah. It it, it kind of it makes it less swingy. I find. Agreed. On both Agreed. ends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's it's just better over overall. I think. Yeah, I'm really really happy with that rule. Yeah. Really happy with that rule. I did not. I I was part of the playtest team. I did not playtest ninth edition. Like I had left the playtest team prior to that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I was part of the. Um, if you look in the books, you'll see. Uh, thanks to um, Infinity Circuit and uh, uh, the uh, Mornval. The Mornval is all like the the tournament playtesters and that kind of stuff. We were part of like the uh, lore and did. Do the rules match like what you think this would look like? You know, they would ask us like, "What are your favorite missions?" and can you describe why they were your favorite missions? You know, 
does the does the unit represent what it's supposed to in lore? Should we change those things? So as part of that playtest group for a while, I actually started it, um, and then uh, you know, real life is just too busy, and and I took it very seriously. So like I, I had done video game playtesting and stuff before, like filing bugs and and all this stuff. So I took it very very seriously, and when I realized like I cannot do this properly. I just decided it was time for me to get out of the way and let people who could do it properly get involved. I care too much about the game to have my poor, poorly informed opinions and sway it in any way. Right. That's, that's cool. Uh, how, if you don't mind me asking, how, how did that, how did you become a play tester? You said you started yeah. it. Like, did you approach them? Did you say, Oh, they approached me. Um, uh, Robin, uh, reached out to me, Robin Credis and said, you know, um, we, we, we know your show and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and we know you've been involved in the lore and all this. And this is what we're looking for a group that would do this. Does this sound like something you'd be interested in? And I was like, yes. And here are the people that we should involve in it. Um, <clears throat> and so then we pulled in a group of people that we felt would, would have involvement there. And then um, ultimately I stepped, like when I stepped away, I said, here's the guy from the splinter mind podcast that, that is really, driving everything now like he's making sure we're getting our notes in on time and all this i go this is the guy you should put in charge and and i said thanks i, I super appreciated the opportunity and I, I love it and i actually have an open invite to go back if if i want i just don't have the time yeah and it is time consuming oh i imagine it's, it would be it, it is incredibly time consuming yeah i'd rather focus on the show <laughs> i focus on the podcast focus on playing that kind of stuff so yeah it, and it's interesting because if you're it, it's almost as if if you're a play tester, you're a play tester. If you're a, a YouTuber or a podcaster, it's that's what you are. Uh, you can yeah. you can also be a play tester, but because it yeah. takes up so much time. Yeah, and, and then you have to be real careful about what you say and don't say. And yeah, was coming like I did all uh, play testing through all the psychic awakening stuff, you know. And I I'd, I'd be on the forum for the thousand suns. These guys are like, oh, we're getting everything's terrible for the thousand suns, and I'm like. And it hasn't even released yet, right? They're just like, and I'm like, ah, you know, like, it's going to be freaking amazing, you know, but I can't really say anything. And I, I just say, you know, I think it's just going to offer you a lot of opportunities to add character and diversity to your army. You know, like, that's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, be general. Yeah. What's your favorite cult? That's a tough one. I like Cult of Time. That's my favorite one. Cult of Time is awesome and fun to play with. That is the one I have gone to. Um, I would say, yeah, Cult of Time is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. When I when I found out that what they were going to do was basically take what were previously known as the um, what were they called before, like the Pirate and the, the schools or whatever they called them before. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and then they were going to actually those all evolve into cults in in 40k from 30k, and they were going to actually allow you to get different abilities and you know warlord traits and all those based off of those cults i was like this is everything i could have asked for <laughs> like this is amazing yeah. you know and so i've played with several of the different ones just to see you know how they play it's fun it's super fun anything that offers variety like that i love oh yeah i agree yeah i mean what is it do they have nine different cults i think yeah yeah and is it nine or six it's no, nine it's not nine yeah number of numbers each that makes sense yeah uh like there's so much variety in that holy totally and are some more powerful than others yeah yeah they are you time know. is very powerful 
time can be very powerful, especially the ability to like bring back units. That's <laughs> a big deal. Like that's, that's you, if you skim over all of them, it's like, Oh, that sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's some subtlety to some of them that, you know, you can use correctly. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. But, um, you know, the, the reality is, you know, people are like, Oh, how come everything isn't balanced across the board? You know, or this spells or this uh, psychic ability is not as balanced as this or, as strong as this one well no it's not but it's offset by the fact that it's easier to cast or you know you've already cast that one so now you have limited ones that you can cast this is an interesting alternative you know yeah um, true yeah i mean there's a lot of factors that go into it you know but I, I, one thing i get very frustrated with are when people define definites right like where they're where they say never take a never take a dreadnought they're not worth the price mm-hmm. um, I, I'm going to disagree with you that I'll never take it. And this is why when people will post a list and they'll be like, oh, here's my list of things that I want to um, play. What do you think of my list? And I'm like, well, how do you intend to play this? Like, what's your what's your objective here with this list? And then we can talk about it. But a lot of times what they'll say is, oh, you know, here's my rubric Marines and this. You should never take those in fives. Always take them in tens. It's like, well, okay, but that's not necessarily the case. Like, what's the objective, you know, here? Um if you're talking tournament play, that you maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't play tournaments anymore. I gave up on those a while ago. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, with berserkers, I'm thinking thinking how I play berserkers. I like the smaller units of five. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I go eight to be fluffy. Yep. Uh rarely ten. It's usually five. I like a couple units in a rhino. Yeah. Yeah. Always chain axes right. on the right. berserkers. Forward and then hope they survive so they at least get in to kill something <laughs> you know the faith and fury i don't know if you had a chance to look at that too much but uh the the uh, the world eaters traits and the stratagems they've got some pretty good stratagems in there for yeah. a number no of the chaos legions but uh, for world eaters specifically uh i was i was using some yesterday and the one that gives you more ap on your attacks yeah that's that's a good <laughs> one man Oh, and then the other one too that uh it's basically it's a death to the false emperor on a five plus. Oh Stoke I think it's called Stoke the Nails. And it's it's Jeez. great, especially when Berserkers are attacking. You know? Yeah. So that's Have that's you read awesome. have you read any of the Siege of Terra series? No. Okay. Are you caught up on Horus Heresy? When you say caught up, do you well, mean- I mean like, do you kind of know where the general thing where it's going? I'm not saying you don't have to have read every one, but you're no, no, kinda... yeah, okay, yeah, I got a general, a good general this series has the best writing of any of the authors. Like, it's Guy Haley's best book, it's Gad Thorpe's best book. I don't know about Dan Abnett, Dan Abnett writes some good books, but he's the latest one. Uh, your boy Angron features pretty heavily in that one, does he? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're gonna like it, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna like it. Because there, there was in the third one quite a bit. Is in the third one, yeah. So far, yeah. What was the series called again? Siege of Terra. It's the so they've kind of ended the Horus Heresy, yeah. And now these final eight books are the Chaos Forces at Terra fighting and and trying to kill the Emperor. We all know how this turns out, right? Yeah. Emperor winds up on the Golden Throne. Horus winds up dead. Sanguinius winds up dead. Spoiler alert! I don't know where you've been if you haven't heard that one. Um, but how they get there is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I should, I should, those are audiobook, right? I should listen to those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've actually, I think, just all come out on audiobook, too. They're only three in so far. 
<laughs> Look at some of the comments on YouTube. You're like, what? They killed him. What? <laughs> Sorry. Did I, ruin- <laughs> Did I say Sanguinius? I meant Vulcan. Oh, okay. Uh, but he's fine because he's a perpetual. That's right. <laughs> what? He's the what? <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, man, for uh, for being my guest today in the Shrine of Chaos. Thanks for letting me uh, chat with you for a bit, man. I, I miss you. We haven't seen each other. We were going to see each other at Adepticon. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's that's a whole other can of worms there, right? Uh, yep. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll Hopefully see. this all cleans up soon and I'll be allowed into your country. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, let's let's hope that happens. Let's hope this uh, goes back to some sort of normalcy sometime soon. But um, we will definitely do our campaign when I come out there. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh be sure to check out the independent characters. That's independentcharacters.com. That's your website. Uh, or all of the all of the sites that provide podcasts. iTunes, yep. Spotify. I'm guessing you're on there too. Yep. All of them. All of them. Uh, if you haven't heard of the independent characters, check them out. Uh, check you out. Check them out. Is it accurate to say check them out or check you out? Uh, them. No, yeah. it's not just me. I mean, it's, it's I, a group of guys. Right? You, you I, are... wouldn't, I wouldn't do this alone. I mean, it is my podcast, but I have wrangled in Justin Kiefer, who does uh, painting for CK Studios, he lives down the street from me. We've been friends for years. Adon Tejada, who uh, is a friend of mine as well, he's used to organize events up at in Oakland all the time. He's been on the show for a long time. We have uh, Jody Cropholler, who's one of my Santa Cruz buddies. Josh Sawyer, one of my Santa Cruz buddies. Uh, they're kind of the regular stable of guys I pull from, but then there's a plethora of other guys that have talent in other areas that we bring in from time to time. Awesome. Uh, and stay tuned next week, uh, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time for Shrine of Chaos. And also a word from our uh, company who is not sponsoring this episode, Table War. Uh, You're getting him on the show, are you? Again? <laughs> shout out to uh, Doug and Todd uh, for yep. all the awesome work they do. It's uh, <laughs> so funny. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so that's it. Thanks again, man. You're you're certainly welcome back in the shrine because you know, after all, you collect chaos. There you go. It's the best army. It absolutely it, is. I agree. We can say it works is, but we really know. We know who the best one is. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys next time. Happy work.